Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. About this season is right across all of our locations. Uh, we, we share the same message. One, one Sunday a year, we, we share the same message. So right across, obviously bringing uh, our own uh, picture to that, but right across all of our locations, we do that as we speak into the action of what this uh, represents for us as a church. And, you know, listen, in faith, love and hope, uh, I, I trust that, that you are expecting, you're expecting God to be doing great things in you. And uh, today, one of the things that I would like to speak about is a concept of having more than enough. Now, not having enough, but having more than enough. Can, can I say something to you? Never go shopping if you are hungry. Never go to dinner if you are hungry. I went out to dinner recently with my daughter and we're going to have dinner together. And, and we're actually going to have ice cream but I'd been working all day and I hadn't had chance to get food. So I'm like, let's get something to eat instead. So we go from Baskin's to Indian restaurant next door. And I open up the menu and I was hungry. So the first thing I do is buy an entree. Now listen, I'm a small eater. Uh, anyone would know that, that has ever eaten with me. I don't eat a lot of food. Kimmy tries to feed me every, every day down at Marketplace. And I keep on having to say to her, I'm a white guy. I'm not a Pacific Islander. I can't eat food that's piled on a plate like this. I'm always going to waste it, Kimmy. Look, I'm white. I'm terrible. I got a little tummy. I can't eat much. Don't feed me like you feed foe. You got to feed me like it's me. So now she like brings up a little bit of food for me and says, is this going to do? But don't ever do that because when you do it, you always order more than enough. I'm there ordering and now I'm like, oh, that samosa looks so good. Oh, that, that vindaloo looks good. Oh, that looks good. That looks good. All of a sudden I order this stuff and I'm like, can I just have a take-home plate before I even start? Because there's no way I'm getting past the samosas, let alone into eating my curry right now. You know, this is the principle of life. We get to understand that God wants us into a picture of more than enough. Listen, over the last couple of weeks, we've been t- talking about sowing and reaping in the areas of our lives, in families, in, in relationships, in our actions, finances. We've been talking through all of that. And, and as we've talked through all of that, I, I made it really clear. Listen, I don't ever want to preach a prosperity gospel that, listen, God's here to bless you. We come into a carnal mind and carnal thinking. Instead of coming with a spiritual aspect of our world, we will always go to that type of thinking. I'm not wanting to bring you through that way. I want us to understand what the Spirit of God speaks to our lives and speaks to who we are. When I speak to you today about more than enough, I want to speak to you through the fact that the Spirit of God breathes into the reality in our lives that there is always more than enough for who we are. Ephesians chapter 4, a piece of Scripture that I always giggle about when I read it because I wonder what Paul was thinking when he wrote this verse. Verse 28, he said, Let him who steal no longer, uh, let him who stole, sorry, steal no longer, but rather let him labour, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. I think about that and I wonder what was going on in the Ephesian church at the time. I wonder if they had a guy in Ephesus that would turn up the church 
and he'd see a mobile phone on the seat and decide to put it into his pocket. Or he'd see a woman leave a purse down and maybe like, oh, I like that purse and I'm guessing there's something in it and decide to grab the stuff. I wonder if somebody in Ephesus right there wasn't doing so great in their, in their ability to get past stealing. So he had to write to them. Hey, the bloke that keeps stealing everybody's mobile phones in church on Sunday morning, can you stop stealing and get a job? And listen, if that's you in the house this morning, let those words from 2,000 years ago echo into your life today. If you're feeling like my mobile phone would look better in your hand, hey, stop stealing and get a job this morning. Not that a mobile phone ever went missing from City Point West or anything like that, but I'm just in case, just in case. I'm certain this should be preached in our youth ministry, but let's just keep on going. Let him who steal, steal no longer, but rather labour with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who is in need. Now listen, the stealing is an important uh, statement to make for Paul. The, the get a job and do some work, it's a good statement to make. But listen, those two things aren't the point of what he's saying right here. The point isn't about stop stealing. And if that's you, stop stealing. The point isn't about get a job and labour with your hands. And if you're struggling in that way, I encourage you this morning, that is a good aspect of your life. That's not the point. Listen, he says, for both of those things, get to the point where you have something to give somebody else who has need. I love that he clarifies, don't go and steal some stuff so you can bless somebody. I love that he clarifies that. I feel like it's a great clarification. Very, very effective in this community. A great clarification. He says, but get some money, get some work so that you can have extra. You can have more than enough to survive. He doesn't say that you can just get through life. I love it. He says that you may have something to give somebody else when they have need. Paul's statement here is about, hey, that you could have more than enough. Don't steal to have more than enough. Get a job to have more than enough. Have more than enough in your life. Listen, I know this about God in all of the years of walking in the kingdom of God. I know that God is never just about me, but He's always about us having more than enough for somebody else. Nothing in God is just about me. His kingdom isn't just about me. If His kingdom was just about Him, if His kingdom was just about me concept, we wouldn't have salvation. We wouldn't have discipleship. We wouldn't have the pictures of healing and blessing that we see continually in the Word of God. We're going to understand His kingdom is always about more than enough. Listen, if you want to understand anything about the world today, the kingdom of darkness, the spirit of this age is all about just having enough for me. That's the spirit of the age. I read an article just the other day. You know, when you think, I'm never going to read anything that's going to stun me again. Then you read something that's just crazy about this world. I read an article that recently there become a new fad and it's called sologamy. It is about marrying yourself. It's a true story. There was a young woman uh, and she was telling the story about the fact that she has now fallen in love with herself, which, whatever, and has decided to marry herself. 
She went on to say, and the writer of the article went on to say, this now right across the globe is becoming a thing that people are marrying themselves. This woman was saying, thank goodness I have open-minded parents. And they said, whatever you need to do to be happy is good for us. Listen, those parents need a hiding, let alone the child, for goodness sakes. If you're in this room and your whole goal is to make your child happy, you will make them miserable. You have to understand, sometimes you need to direct your child, not just make them happy. Because what they think makes them happy doesn't always make them happy. Sometimes children need to be disciplined and directed. This child could have done with some discipline and direction before she got to the age of 23 and decided to marry herself. I went on to say in this article, uh, a, re- a, a woman recently uh, in South America had married herself and after three months, divorced herself. <laughs> Listen, I'm not making this stuff up. This, this is straight out of truth and craziness. I guess we know who the problem was in the situation. There's no arguments who the issue was there in that family. We live in the craziest, selfish age as the spirit of this age wraps people up and the concept of having enough is big enough because it's all about self. Listen, the kingdom of God is never that. The Word of God is filled with the reality that God wants more than enough in our lives. Overflow and blessing flowing into us, through us, into the lives around us. That is the heart of our God for us. It's the heart of our God for His community. Listen, today I want to look at uh, Paul writing to the Corinthian church because here in 2 Corinthians, Paul is speaking to them about this concept of more than enough. He's speaking to them about how they build their life into this aspect of their world. And in fact, he's speaking through the fact that they have more than enough and able to give and be a blessing to people all around them. And in first Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll pick it up in verse 5 and we're going to walk our way through a couple of verses here as Paul writes to the Corinthian church about this more than enough concept, he says in verse 5, I'm reading from the Amplified, that is why I thought it necessary to urge these brothers to go to you before I come and make arrangements in advance for this generous, previously promised gift of yours, so that it would be ready not as something extorted or wrung out of you, but as a voluntary and generous gift. I love Paul starts here, he goes, I want to be up front with you in the conversation right now. I want to be up front before I even get there. The reality is I, we're going to give, we're going to sow and we're going to give money together. We're going to give into the Kingdom of God and be a blessing to the churches all around us. We're going to come with a more than enough attitude to say we're going to give. He's not hiding this. And listen, on a day like today, I know this might be your first time in church and you're not real sure what's going on. On a day like today, we come together and we give and so above and beyond and have an expectation for that in our lives. And I'm not hiding it from you. I didn't just spring it on you today. We've been speaking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks about this aspect of our world. And I never want to hide from people. We, we continually speak about generosity and giving and sowing and, and, and it's a, an aspect of our world. 
I don't want you to feel like you've come in here tricked today. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not trying to make you feel manipulated last minute. Oh my God, you just sprung it on me. All of a sudden there's a, an urn there for us to get. I'm not trying to do any of those things. We've spoken in advance that this is an aspect of our world and it has faith attached to it when we come, not, not with a, a, a trick feeling or a manipulated feeling, but a faith aspect saying we're ready to do this. We're ready to sow. We've been praying about it. We've been fasting about it. What God would say to us in our lives. Listen, I want you to have faith and confidence and excited to willingly participate in the kingdom of God. Because when we do this, we grab a hold of our vision statement to unmistakably influence our world for good and for God. We grab vision. We grab the picture of what we do together as a church. He goes on, he says this. Now remember this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows generously will also reap generously and be blessed. Listen, last couple of weeks we've been speaking about the sowing and reaping principles. And I had so many people just message me during the week and say, hey, thank you for challenging my thinking around areas, not, not just finance. I challenge you around your marriage. If your marriage sucks, it doesn't suck because all of a sudden it sucked. It sucked because you've been sowing badness into your marriage for a long period of time. Your wife didn't all of a sudden hate you. She's been hating you for a while because you've been sowing mess into it. We, we were clear. I didn't beat around the bush with the reality of what we sow, we also reap. Listen, we talked about the fact sometimes God does miracles and fixes stuff and that's awesome. But mostly in our lives, sowing and reaping is the principle of our world and the principle of the outworking. We've been talking about that. And now Paul reiterates that in this verse. He says, whatever we sow, we reap. We sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. We sow generously, we reap generously. I love that he says this. He says, if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow generously, we reap generously. Listen, this isn't just about a how much thing. This is so much about the attitude that is in our hearts and in our lives when it comes to giving. He says about sparingly. Listen, you may come here today and you only have a gift of $2 because that's all you have. Listen, that's not sparing to give that gift of $2. It's the heart attitude that goes with that. Listen, you may walk into this room and have millions and millions of dollars to give and you give $2. That may be looked at as sparingly, if you hear what I'm saying this morning. It's what's there for our lives with the understanding of how we give and how we outwork that in, in who we are. It says if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. But if you sow grudgingly, there's, a, there's a, a, an addition to this, this, this aspect of our lives where we're not quite sure our attitude, what's it like, what am I thinking? You know, sometimes we, we come and, and, and there's, this has been said many times, pastors just want your money. And, and I think about everything in the world just wants your money. Everything does. You know, I can't imagine ever driving into McDonald's in the drive-thru and saying, uh, can I have a you know, large quarter pounder meal, please. And when I get my large quarter pounder meal, I go to the thing and they say, well, that'll be whatever it is, $11, $12. I don't know how much it is. If That'll be $12. And I'm like, all you want is my money. I'm out of here. I'm going to another McDonald's. That may have been said over times in churches, but it's never been said in McDonald's. Everything wants your money. 
listen, as a pastor, our, our money, my money, your money, is what changes the world around us. My giving, your giving, is what has given us this incredible facility, is what has impacted hundreds of thousands of people in the last 15 years through the things that we've done, the community outworking that we've done. It is my giving over that long period of time, your giving over that extended period of time, our giving together that has made the humongous impact that we have made as a church. So of course, it's a big part of our impact into the community. There's a small part of, do you want to take my money? No, no. Your giving is so key to what we do, so key to our future. But listen, we can come again with a carnal thinking around all of that. And I don't want us to do that. The, the sow sparing, reap sparing, to, to sow generous, reap generous. When we come with a carnal thinking, our, our thought is this, we're throwing money into a bucket and it comes directly back into our pocket. I remember going fishing with a guy years ago and uh, we're fishing and we weren't catching any fish, um, mainly because we're in his boat and he was a terrible fisherman, but we weren't catching any fish. You know, he said to me, he's like, maybe my wife, wife hasn't tied this week. Gets on the phone, rings his wife. Wife, have you tied already? Have you put in our tithes? I'm not catching any fish. I feel like you haven't tied already this week. <laughs> Listen, if you're going to come carnally to this today, you miss the powerful reality that comes in, in kingdom giving. It's powerful. It's life transforming. It's, it's a picture of blessing. There's no doubt about that. But listen, the carnal mind comes with this one plus one. And we've got to realize the spiritual element here is so much bigger than one plus one. So much bigger than one minus one. So much bigger than the addition aspects that we think. The kingdom thinking is so much bigger in our lives. When we come with a reality of a generous heart, a generous understanding of the spirituality that comes when we give and we sow and we expect and we have faith and we know that God is in it. We, we have the reality that when we come and give that way, we own our giving. We say it in the Spirit, we're praying, we're saying, God, we thank You for this opportunity again to sow. We own our giving and we're saying, God, I'm putting You first in my life as always. God, I'm putting You first in my giving. I'm putting You first in my finances. I'm putting You first. I'm breaking off that spirit of poverty that tries to attach itself to me. And God, I know that You are first in every area of my life. We own our giving. We say, God, my giving is changing the world. When I release it, God, I'm releasing it and I'm seeing people's lives change because of my giving. When we have that, we go, God, I know in faith it's opening the windows of heaven over my life, over my kids, over my future, over my family, over my prayer life, over every aspect of who I am. We reap generously then, not just in our pockets, on the inside of our hearts and who we are with an understanding of faith and expectancy for God to be doing so much more in everything that we are. We're settled and we're saying, God, generosity and giving is of you. God, generosity and giving is a good thing. Generosity and giving, God, is key to these areas of our life. Paul shows it in those two verses. But then he goes on in verse 7, he makes a different statement. He said, each, let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose, just as he decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and delights uh, in this one in his, his whole heart with his gift. God loves a cheerful giver. Listen, 
Sometimes we think that God's just asking us to smile when we give. That's, that's not the reality. Listen, most of you are, are like my wife. You only smile when you're happy. When you're angry, you try and smile, but you just have this strange snarl. It's supposed to be a smile. It's trying to hide. I can see it because I've been married to this woman a long time. And I, and I have a reality of what actually that look looks like when she looks at me like that. She's smiling and some of you think she is, but she's not. Listen, God's not just looking for a fake smile when we give. There's an attitude of our life. God loves a cheerful giver. People that are excited about giving. Listen, I am blessed. I'm blessed with a great father that has taught me the power of giving at a very young age. I've said this many times before. I would have been probably four the first time I remember giving. I only remember because letting go of that 20 cents at four years of age was painful. I do have Scottish blood and Scotsmen's don't let, like letting go of money. So that blood is there and I remember the pain of releasing it. So at the age of four at a family camp, I remember giving the first time. I don't remember anything else about being four except for putting 20 cents into a bucket. It was impactful and it taught me a life lesson that has given me the joy of giving continually, the joy of loving being generous, loving finding opportunities to be generous into the kingdom of God, into people's worlds as much as I can. And I'm grateful again for senior pastors that are like this as well. I love the fact that our senior pastors, Pastor Mark and Lee, their prayer is that they could be some of the biggest givers in the church and God has opened doors for them financially to allow them to keep sowing into our church. And, and not many of you get to see, I get to see it personally. They bless me, they bless others continually because they love being generous. I've had a generous father. I have generous people around my life that have helped me to do that. I remember when I, when I first took on City Point West, uh, uh, a pastor gave me a pen. Listen, I, I'm like, thank you for that pen. Um, it's a black pen. I don't even really like black pens, but thank you for that pen. I remember like, why would he give me a pen? I remember Googling this pen and realizing this pen was worth just under $1,000. And I'm like, oh, thank you for that pen. <laughs> it's not a bad pen. God loves generosity because generosity becomes a part of our heart. Cheerful giver. Someone that enjoys finding generosity because it's so deep on the inside of who we are. We are generous. And generosity, listen, when I'm spearfishing, I'm happy. When I'm generous, I'm happy because it's who I am being outworked. Being a pastor preaching, I'm happy because I love it. It's who I am being outworked. This is what he's talking about here. It's not about the grudging, oh, I've got to do this thing. It's the joy of being generous and being a generous person. Verses 8 and 9. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor, and His righteousness endures forever. That He can make all abundance abound towards you. You know, when Paul's writing this, he's speaking to a, a bunch of heathens that have come to Christ and I can imagine they're coming out of brokenness they're coming out of mess they're coming out of hurt they're coming out of poverty thinking they're coming out of so many different ways of believing and they're coming to Christ like we all have had come from different ways of believing and thinking we've come to Christ and now in amongst us he's showing them the reality that abundance more than enough 
comes from the Father to our lives. That abundance, more than enough, is central to what happens out of our generosity. God keeps heaping abundance, pouring abundance, seeing it abound over our lives, seeing it enlarge over who we are. Listen, God's plan is for us to have more, not less. But we're giving today. We're, we're, we're releasing. Yes. And he says, out of that releasing, he's speaking to them. He's not hiding it. He's putting it up front. He said, out of that releasing comes an abundance that may abound over who you are. Listen, lack limits potential. Lack limits possibilities. Lack limits our ability to see more. I look again, I've spent a lot of time with young people in this area and I was sharing in prayer meeting. I talked to a young person recently. I took them to a job and it was their first work for a long period of time. And I was trying to encourage them and cast vision to them about working more and getting more jobs. And as I was trying to cast vision, I made a statement. Can you imagine buying a house? This person said, I could never imagine that. Lack limits potential and possibility. When we understand that God wants more for our lives, possibilities always enlarge. Future, possibilities to change the world, possibilities to do great things. Lack of love in our lives limits the possibilities. Lack of faith, lack of hope. Listen, we need to get to a place where we continually despise lack. Giving helps us to conquer lack. It helps us to conquer the way that we look about lack. It helps us to conquer the way that we see poverty in our lives. And we understand that God wants to see grace abound to us. Second Corinthians chapter 9 again, verse 10. said, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Listen, you need to underline this verse for a second and meditate on this over these coming weeks. Now, may you who supplies the seed. Is that what it says here? What, what does it say? Now may he. Now may he. This is the capital H, he. This is our God, he. This is God that supplies the seed to the sower. I worked all week. God supplied the job. God gave you the brains to get the job. God helped you to work your way through that. God gave you favour to open that door when you said it wasn't going to open and then you got that job and now you're thinking it was all you because you forget the, pray, the prayers that you prayed. You forget the hours that you're on your knees. You forget the, the fact that God supplied every aspect of our world. It's He who supplies the seed to the sower. You know, every time I read this verse, I am reminded I don't own anything. I don't own it. Listen, I know some of us get a little awkward when we hear the pastor talking about the fact that we don't own stuff. Listen, the air's his, our time's his, property's his. Listen, we are stewards of it, but he supplies it to us. It's his. It's his, and, and in that reality, our question changes not from what should I give to how much should I keep of what's already His? How much of my life should I hold back? It's His already. How much should I hold back? I remember Pastor Mark telling a funny story years ago. And it was a story of a, of a woman 
They went into a cafe. And it was a crowded cafe in New York, and it was crowded. She went into the cafe, and, and uh, she, she got a coffee, and, and this, they had these big cookies. And she got a coffee, she got a cookie, she was looking for somewhere to sit, and there was just a table there with a, with a seat, and she went to the person and said, can I sit here with you? And the person said, no problem. They were working on their computer, and they were having their coffee. So they sat down and put their coffee down and their cookie down and started drinking their coffee and they were looking on their phone and grabbed a bit of their cookie and put it in the mouth and they noticed the person sitting opposite them also reach out to the cookie, snap off the cookie and have a little bit of the cookie. They're like, how rude. They let me use their seat at their table. Now they're eating my cookie. Can't believe they've snapped off a bit of the cookie and they're eating it as well. Snapped off a bit of their own cookie. I ate it again. Drinking the coffee. The person reaches over again, snaps off the cookie. Never met this person before. Snaps off a piece of the cookie, has a piece of the cookie again. This person was, couldn't believe it. They're like, should I say something? They're eating my cookie. Yes, they shared the table, but now they're eating my cookie. They snap off a piece, eat the cookie. The other person snaps off another piece. They eat some more of the cookie. You know, this person, I cannot believe it. There's one piece left. Grab it, eat the last piece of the cookie, grabs her coffee, gets up and walks out and heads off to work and sits at the table at work. Angry, upset, this person's been eating my cookie. Gets a handbag, lifts it up and realises, oh, my cookie's still in my handbag. I'm upset because the person's eating their cookie. You know, sometimes we come before God And we think we're doing him a favor by giving when it's already his cookie. And we're snapping a piece off the edge of his cookie. And we're upset. God, you want to have some of your own cookie? Some of the blessing you poured over my life? If you don't believe me again, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Listen, there's a principle here that's so important. There's seed to sow. And there's bread to eat. Don't eat your seed and don't sow your bread. Listen, I'm not asking you to come here today and sell your house, take your kid's inheritance and put it in this bucket. That's not what I'm asking. There's bread for your family. You need to put food on your kid's table. You need to make sure you do that and you're directing your family well and you understand the difference between the two. But listen, today, don't walk home with your seed in your pocket and eat it tomorrow. The seed to be sown. There's bread to eat. Now may he who supplies, multiply that seed. Multiply. When we give today, we have an understanding, an expectation of multiplication. When we give every area of our life, our time, when our gifts, when we sow into the kingdom of God, when we're involved in the house of God, we're involved in the purposes of God, we bring our talent, our treasure, our truth together, we sow it, we believe right now that God multiplies every part of that in our lives every part of our lives he'd multiply it he'd multiply the kingdom purposes of serving he'd multiply the part when we share in our faith during the week and we're inviting people into the house of God he'd multiply that area of our life when we are continually talking about Christ to others and telling them about the testimonies of Jesus goodness that he'd multiply that seed of people coming into the house of God because remember More than enough is a reality that every part of our world is about others' benefit, not just our own. Verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you may be generous 
And this generosity administered through us is producing thanksgiving to God from those who benefit. He says, listen, it's not just about more than enough, that you'll be enriched in every way to be generous, that you'd have more than enough in your life to do that. He said, administered. He talks about the local church and the direction that comes because of the giving of the local church. Listen, in a few moments, we're going we're to watch a video of people thanking the local church for our giving and for the impact that our giving has had. Listen, I've already watched this this morning and had a little cry in my office because it's so powerfully impacting on what my giving and your giving has done over these last years in impacting into people's life. But it says here, producing thanksgiving to God. Producing thanksgiving to God from those who benefit. We've already watched videos over the last couple of weeks and hearing stories, there was one lady saying she went into Marketplace and because of, of one of the great things that we did at the start of the year, helping our parents get their kids back to school, she saved $500 and was able to get books and pens and all of that for all of their kids. And you know, she was so grateful for those things. It gives thanksgiving to God. People saying, thank you, Jesus, that there is a church in Anala that meets our needs, that makes a difference in our lives, helps us through when we can't get through. Very generously. So not sparingly, generously, not grudgingly, generously. And thanksgiving to God follows. Multiplication follows. Blessing follows. It's a powerful thing. It's a profound thing. Come on, let's just pray this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you right now for your goodness, for your mercy, for your kindness. Jesus, we thank you for your word that stirs us, encourages us, encourages us to give, encourages us to stand bigger, encourages us to believe for more, more, enough, an enlargement, more than enough, more than just getting by, more than just scraping through, but enough to give and sow and see, seed, speak for us, speak into our community, speak into lives around us, seed, a blessing, a blessing that's bigger and beyond just getting past today. God, I thank you for that. Thank you for what has happened in the last years through our seed. Thank you because of the seed of people right across this room. Many, many lives have been transformed. Many, many hearts have been transformed. Many, many lives utterly transformed. Thank you, Jesus. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.